0: Hi guys, this is Dr. Minette with So In Peace, and welcome back to another one of my videos. So um, I know that I just uploaded a video on Friday and I'm back again on Sunday to upload another one. Um, I'm not trying to stay busy, but uh, this passage, um, I don't want to say this. I heard someone talk about this passage the other day while I was driving And, um, the way it was interpreted, they were doing pretty good, but the way it was interpreted, I, I didn't feel like it was all the way clear, um, or correct, um, I should say. And it bothered me, um, it bothered me because, you know, when you have, um, people who are listening, uh, to these messages, um to teachers or ministers or evangelists, um, they some people really believe these things because they don't always get in the word of God for themselves and study themselves approved, right? They kind of depend on the people who do the studying and then who relay the messages. Um, which is good, you know, to listen to the message or listen to teachers to explain. But um it is imperative that you uh read it for yourself as well, and to get the divine Holy Spirit revelation uh, to give you understanding of certain passages, uh, or just of the Bible in general, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. But um, I just felt this desire to come on here to talk about this passage, um, because I think that there's no way to misinterpret this passage this is one of the most clear to me one of the most clear and direct passages that jesus speaks about i mean he's very clear to me throughout the whole bible but this passage is very direct i don't think there to me i don't think it can be interpreted um any other way so i'm going to talk about it i'm going to talk about abiding in christ um this passage comes from the book of john 15 um it's also mentioned in um Matthew chapter 3, uh, verse 10, and it's also mentioned in Ezekiel 15. So they all kind of parallel with each other. But for this particular video, I'm just going to stick with John 15. I think I mentioned Matthew in here, but we'll get to that. But anyway, I think this is a very popular passage. Most Christians have heard of it. Um, and then most Christians, um, I don't know how you take it. You know, some people might be afraid of it. Some people might misinterpret it because of what they believe. But um, I'm going to try to break this passage down um, the best way I can. And I hope that is very clear to you. And I hope that it brings some type of conviction. I hope it brings some urgency and motivation for you to abide in Christ because I think Christ is very serious about this and he's very clear and direct about it. And I think he means what he means. (laughs) You know, your parents used to say, I meant what I said. Um, I think that this is what this means in this particular passage. So starting at verse one in John 15, Jesus himself, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He says, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And Jesus go on to say, he says, he also trims every branch that produces fruit to prepare it to produce even more. He says, you have already been prepared to produce more fruit by the teaching I have given you. He says, stay joined to me. This means to abide in me or to be merged with me. He says, and then I will stay joined to you. Now pay attention to that. Stay joined to me and I will stay joined to you. Some translation says remain in me and I will remain in you. Or abide in me and I'll abide in you. He says, No branch can produce fruit alone. It must stay connected to the vine. It is the same with you. Jesus says, You cannot produce fruit alone. You must stay joined to me. He says, You must. You must stay joined to me in order to produce fruit. <clears throat> Verse five, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me, if Underline if, if you stay joined to me, he says, I to you and I to you. Let me say that again. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I to you, you will produce plenty of fruit, but separated from me. Okay. So in order to separate from something, you have to be a part of it. OK, some people say, well, they were never separated. And I mean, they were never a part of him in the first place. Well, Jesus is a Jesus of common sense. He's a God of common sense. That doesn't make any sense. If you want to separate the egg whites from the egg, they're together at one point. You use something to separate them. OK, you want to separate the pulp from the orange juice. you got to use a strainer to separate them. It's the same thing. They were once joined together. He says, but separated from me, you won't be able to do anything. If you don't stay joined to me, you will be like a branch that has been thrown out and has dried up. He says, all the dead branches like that are gathered up, thrown into the fire and burned. So in verse seven, Jesus says, stay joined together with me and follow my teachings. And he says, if again, underline that if. If you do this, you can ask for whatever you want and will be, and it will be given to you. So he gives you a warning, but then he gives you a blessing as well. And that's the way pretty much the Bible is to me. It's like God warns you, but he gives you a blessing. Like if you do this, so there, there, this means that there is a condition to being in Christ. Okay. So in this passage of Jesus, he uses the an allegory to describe himself as a true vine and those who have become his disciples, meaning those who decide to follow him and to believe in him, we are described as the branches in the passage. Okay. Jesus explains to us that, as vines on a tree give life to a branch in order that that branch bear fruit. He said, he too is like the vine, okay? He gives life to us who believe. He gives life to us who trust in him and rely on him continually, okay? Jesus is saying that he is the vine that gives life to us, his followers, in order that we bear fruit, okay? He gives life to us, in order so that we can bear fruit. The fruit that Jesus is referring to are listed in the book of Galatians chapter five, starting at verse 22. And I want to say 23. Okay. Paul is talking, thought I had it open here. I was going to look at something else, but anyway, Paul, he's talking to some believers in Galatia. Okay. Before he gives the list of the Um, fruit of the spirit, he talks about the uh, characteristics of the flesh, okay? Those things that are not of God, they're not part of God's characteristics. But then he goes on to explain to them what the fruit of the spirit is. And Paul says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, okay? These are God's characteristics that we must bear as children of God to show as evident that God is living in us. Okay. Okay. That's how people know that God is living in us by bearing the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is the spontaneous work of the Holy Spirit in the child of God. Okay. And the spirit, it produces God's characteristics or God's traits that are found in the nature of Christ, okay? They are the byproducts of Christ's control. And we, you and I, as believers in Christ, we are not able to obtain these fruits on our own, okay? That means that one, Nobody is right outside of Christ, okay? Nobody can be righteous outside of Christ. No one can love outside of Christ. No one can have joy outside of Christ. You can't have peace. I don't care how happy someone is. Outside of Christ, you can't obtain those characteristics, okay? That's number one. And number two, if you come into Christ and then you wander away from the faith or you wander away from Christ— you're not going to be able to produce those fruits any longer. You may have produced them while you were in him and intimate with him. At one point you're on fire for Christ and you were in the word of God. You were praying to him and you were loving him. And then something came in your life to take that joy away. And then you are away from him. Now you might be spiritually bored, spiritual apathy, I believe is what it's called. Uh, You're not as joyful as you used to be, okay? You don't have the peace that you used to have. You don't have self-control like you had at one point. Now you have these outbursts of anger. So apart from him, you can do nothing. And Christ is saying that with anything to do with him, to bear his characteristics, to bear his fruit, we need his help, okay? So if you want the fruit of the spirit to grow within you, if you want to be uh, loving, you want to be peaceful and kind and gentle and have some self-control, then it is your responsibility to abide in Christ. It is your responsibility to remain in Christ. Okay, We must know him. We must love him. We must remember him and we must be intimate with him. Okay. And as a result, as we are remaining in Christ, as we are knowing him, this is ongoing, loving him, ongoing, keeping him in our foreknowledge. Okay. Being intimate with him, studying the word of God, getting on our knees to pray, having compassion on other people. Okay. As a result, we will fulfill God's intended purpose of the law in general. What is, what is the, um? He says, if you love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your strength and your neighbors, then you have fulfilled the entire law. Okay. And the prophets hang on that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So there is no way that you and I can love our neighbor without the help of Christ. Okay. There's no way that you and I can be patient with a mean person or angry person apart from Christ. There's no way we can do that. There's no way we can deal with life when someone betrays us apart from Christ. We're not able to do that, okay? So the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 that there are two kinds of people, okay? There are those who listen to Christ, remain in him, abide in him, okay? And those who ignore his message. <clears throat> those who remain in Christ, those who listen to him, he says, abide in me. Okay, don't ignore that. If you abide in him, if you listen to his message, he says when the rain comes. okay, when the wind blows upon you, okay, then you're going to be able to withstand those rains and winds. The rains and winds are the troubles and pressures in life. Okay. But for those people who ignore Christ's message and they don't abide in Him, okay, when the rain comes and when the wind blows and beat upon that house, that person is going to fall and great will be their fall. Okay. So as long as we remain in Christ Jesus, meaning as long as we are attached to Him and joined to Him as the source of life, then we are able to produce. fruit. Okay. We're able to produce God's characteristics. The Bible says in first John chapter four, 13 says, we know that we live in God and God lives in us. How do we know that? The Bible says it is because God has given us his spirit, okay? His Holy Spirit and the byproduct, the evidence of the spirit or the fruit of the spirit are God's characteristics that I mentioned in Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23, okay? God expects all of his children to bear fruit, not just some some of us, okay? Some people say, well, I come into Christ and I'm not just there yet. Well, I want to encourage you to get there, okay? to get there. Stop saying I'm in a progress. Okay. Or stop saying that I'm a work in progress. Okay. You don't know when Christ is going to come back. The Bible says that Christ comes back at a time where you think not. Okay. Where you, you, you're not expecting him to come. So I want to urge you to bear fruit. Okay. Let me explain why. The Bible says in John 15, pretty much that Jesus, um, or I'm going to say not says, but Jesus in John 15, he's making a distinction between two kinds of pruning. Okay. Two kinds. There's one, he separates. Okay. Two, he's cutting back branches. Okay. The fruitful branches, meaning the real believers, the true followers are the ones he is cutting back. Those are the ones that he is Pruning to promote growth. Okay. So, what does this mean? Okay. For those of us who are diligently trying to bear the fruits of God, trying to love, trying to obey God, hold on just one second. sorry, my charger. I mean, my laptop was dying and I didn't know that it's plugged up, but I don't know. I guess I didn't have the switch on. But anyway, for those of us who are diligently seeking God, seeking his face, seeking his characteristics and bearing fruit, God will sometimes discipline us to strengthen our character and our faith. Okay. He will do that. He will remove anything from our lives that divert or hinders the vital life that flows uh, from Christ into us. Okay. So he'll start removing things out of your life. Okay. He, if, if, if we are, um, truly trying to seek God, truly trying to obey Him, and, um, we err in life, okay, He's going to discipline us and He will do that so He can strengthen our character, okay? He can strengthen our faith, okay? He's going to cut you back and it's going to hurt some, but He's doing it to produce repentance and to produce more characteristics, okay? So let me put it like this say, if I, um, disrespected my husband okay and we, the bible tells wives to respect their husbands but say i erred and um i disrespected my husband wrongly god knowing that that's not my character i don't typically act like that um i try to be respectful and loving to my husband and gentle and i try to um um be humble to him right but if I err, God is going to discipline me, okay He's gonna discipline me and and it's not gonna to feel too good, but he's gonna do that because it's gonna strengthen me and it's gonna strengthen my character for next time. I'm not gonna to wanna to respond like that because I know what it's like for God to discipline me, okay, but that's what it means that He prunes you so you can bear more fruit he's gonna or he's going to um kind of test you sometimes it may not always be discipline but sometimes he will test you so that he can strengthen you okay so you might go through some challenges in life to keep you dependent upon him okay and then sometimes like i said he's going to remove anything out of your life that diverts that that or hinders you or hinders uh the vital uh, life flow from Christ into you, okay? So he's gonna remove some things. He might remove some people. He might remove some idols out of your life so that Christ's life can continue to flow smoothly To you. So, in other words, Jesus is saying that anyone who chooses to follow him and abide in him, then the quality of their character must always bring glory to God, and others need to be able to witness the quality of your characteristics. Okay? So, there must be a life evidence of change for those of us who are abiding in Christ. And the reason why Jesus is disciplining us or pruning us or cutting us back is so that what? Again, we can bring more fruit. We can produce more of his characteristics so that we can be more like Christ and so that his name can be exalted more and magnified more. Jesus is saying that any believer that comes into him who has been forgiven, okay, they are forgiven and they are given eternal life, but they're also given something else. They are given the power to remain in him. Okay? So when you are saved, free gift of salvation, okay? Nobody had to work for it. It was given. You just had to believe, repent and believe, and it was given to you. But when he gave you that, he forgave you for all of your sins. He gave you et- he's giving you eternal life. And he also gives you the power to remain in him. And when you are given that power by Jesus Christ, okay, it is your responsibility as a believer to accept that responsibility to remain in Christ. There's a Greek word. I'm going to butcher it. I'm sorry to look it up for all you Greek speakers. I think it's minnow, minnow or minnow. I'm not sure. But uh this word, it means to remain. It means to continue. It means to abide or live. This is what it means to remain in Christ in John 15. It is an ongoing responsibility for you and I to stay connected to Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying so just like a branch only has life as long as it as long as it lives in the vine, he's saying so it's the same with you my child, as long as you remain in me, okay? He says as long as you remain in me, Um, I will continue to give you life. But the branches that stop bearing fruit are those who no longer have the life in them that comes from enduring faith and love for Christ. Do you understand? The branches that stop remaining in Christ, the branches that leave the vine. Okay. Okay. He's saying the reason why that you are no longer in him or receiving the life from him is because you have stopped enduring in faith and in love for him, okay? These branches are these followers, are the followers that God himself severs, meaning he cuts them off from the vine, okay? Meaning God separates them from vital union with Christ, okay? Follow me to the book of Matthew chapter three. This is where I said I didn't talk about it, but actually I did. Matthew chapter three, starting around verse seven. Uh, John the Baptist, he was baptizing some people. And in the midst of his baptizing some people, the Sadducees and the Pharisees had come up to him. And when John the Baptist saw them, he said to them, oh, generation of vipers, he says, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And then John says to them, Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. What is John talking about? Meaning, he's saying to the Sadducees and Pharisees, If you really want to follow the one true God, Jesus Christ, he's saying, he's, He is saying, then you need to bring genuine repentance that is accompanied by the fruits of righteousness. So, in other words, John is saying, Be saved and be converted. And when you are saved and converted, you need to show some evidence that you are saved, that you are in Christ, that you're abiding in Christ by forsaking your sin and by bearing godly fruit. That is what John is saying. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 10 of Matthew chapter three. John says that if, was that John? I'm gonna say the Bible says. The Bible says in Matthew chapter three, verse 10, that if anyone in Christ Um, does not bear fruit, okay? Listen to this. If anyone in Christ does not bear fruit, then God's act is already laid unto the root of the trees. Let me explain what this means. I was thinking about this passage yesterday. My kids and I went to go um, work out. And then when we walked over to the park to work out and then we were coming back home. And as I was walking, I saw this big tree just lying down on the ground and it's looked like somebody might've taken an ax to the root of that tree. I mean, just cut it down and it fell forward. Okay. And it made me think of this passage. And so I wanted to bring this in. This means that if any of us come into Christ and we don't remain in Christ. Okay. The Bible says God, God's axe is already laid at the root of the tree and he's cutting it down. This means that God's judgment is swinging towards anyone that is in him and not walking a righteous life or bearing good fruit to cut you out of the tree or out of the vine. The Bible says that they will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Okay, there's no way to get around that passage. Okay, there's no way to get around. Some people say they'll pick the vine up and he'll wash them off. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they will be cut down and thrown into the fire, the fire, hellfire. That's why the Bible says in John 15, 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you. You cannot bear fruit, meaning you cannot prove, produce the evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. What does the book of James says? Your faith without works is nothing. It's dead. Your faith without works is dead. The fruitful branches are true believers, okay? Who by their living union with Christ produce much fruit, okay? Those people who are really in Christ, the Bible says you will know them by your what? By their fruit. You will know them by their characteristics, how much they love, how patient, how gentle, how kind they are, how much self-control they they have. That's how you will know us. There has to be an evidence, that Christ is in us. That is the faith that we have. If, If you have a believer who is having consistent fruit in their life ongoing, then that's how you can measure how faithful that believer is. Okay. But Jesus is saying, but those of my children who become unproductive, okay. To become unproductive means you have to be productive. Okay. Those who turn back from following Christ, he said, are following me. Um, Basically, he's saying are making a have made after. Sorry. Basically, he's saying. After making a superficial commitment. OK. After making a shallow commitment or an insignificant commitment, he's saying they will be separated. From him, God is going to separate you, because when you committed yourself to Christ, it was thoughtlessness. You didn't think about it. You didn't count the you didn't count the cost. Okay, meaning if you are unproductive, the Bible in John fifteen, the scriptures are basically saying you are good as dead. This means that you are good as nothing. And you will be cut off and you will be tossed to the side. That's what John 15 is saying. Christ is clear about what he means in John 15, okay? He did not say that once in the vine, always in the vine. That's not what he said. He said, rather remain in me or remain in the vine and I will remain in you. That's what Jesus is saying, okay? Jesus gave his disciples a solemn Or you can even say a grave warning, but a loving warning, okay? It's a grave warning and a loving warning, okay? That it is impossible, okay? Not impossible, I'm sorry. That it is possible, indeed possible, for any true believer to ultimately, ultimately OK, I know sometimes, you know, as believers, we go through some hard times. I'm not trying to say once you're in the faith, then you're out of the faith. Every time you mess up, that, that's not what I'm saying. OK, but what I'm saying is that if we're not careful, we can wander away from Christ and don't return back. OK, so he's basically saying. It is possible for true believers to ultimately Abandon the faith and turn their backs on him on Jesus Christ, who failed to remain in him, and because of that, because of that, they will be cut off and thrown into the everlasting fire of hell. that's what he's saying. some people don't want to believe that, but that's what that means, and that scripture is a loving warning because those kind of passages keep you grounded. those kind of passages. To me, um, people don't like to hear that, but they, they're cleansing for me, okay? They keep me close to God. I'm not afraid of losing my salvation. You know, I don't think like that. <clears throat> I have peace. I have love. I love the Lord. But those kind of passages, those warnings to me, keeps me humble. I, I'm not high-minded in Christ. They keep me humble. They, it keeps the fear of the Lord in me. OK, which is the beginning of wisdom. OK. In other words, in this passage, I find that. One of the great or I say one of the greatest principles in this passage that governs our whole saving relationship with Christ. Reminds me that. I should not base. My relationship in Christ because I made a decision at 15 years old or I had an experience with God at 15 years old. And that's when I came to Christ. Okay, but I don't base my entire relationship in Christ because of that decision I made when I was 15. Okay, but I base my decision in Christ or my relationship with Christ by how progressive I am in Christ. How gradual my relationship is in Christ, how, how how I'm gradually growing closer and closer and closer to Christ, how I continue to worship him. OK, I watch my spiritual life. I guard over it. And when I find myself getting a little drifting back, I snatch it back with force. OK, I come back and I say, Lord, no. And I stay and I get close to him. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. I make sure that my relationship with Christ increases, okay? I don't let it wander away from me. I don't want nobody stealing that away from me and I come against the enemy or in in the name of Jesus to, to stop from taking it from me, okay? So we should always, as children of God, we should always be growing in the full knowledge of God and understanding of God, okay? I don't want to deceive myself. I don't take that passage lightly and I don't change it around to make it tickle my ears or make me feel comfortable, okay? And I'm not afraid of of that passage either. I love the righteousness of God and the holiness of God, okay? That's the goodness of God to me. Paul states in Colossians 1, 9, 11, he says um, that he prays for the people in Colossians, okay? He says, I pray that you may be Filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom. I pray that you will be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And I pray that you get spiritual wisdom so that you will have insight into his purposes for your life. Meaning, I pray that you will have much understanding of spiritual things, okay? And the reason why I pray this, Paul, and i it's, it's what Paul says in, in this particular passage, he says, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Okay? I pray that you learn how to walk a life worthy unto the Lord. This means that as children of God, we should be displaying admirable character, morals, Courage and personal integrity that fully pleases God in all things. Meaning we need to be bearing fruit in every good work that we do. And we should be steadily growing in the knowledge of God with deeper faith. Okay? And having clear insight and a fervent love for God's precepts, for his teachings, for his laws. Okay? So like Paul said, he says, we pray that you may be strengthened and invigorated with all power according to his glorious might to attain every kind of endurance and patience with joy. That's what that passage does to me. It helps me attain every kind of endurance and patience with joy by abiding in Christ. And I pray it does the same for you. Abide in Christ, remain in Christ, stay in Christ. Do not wander away from Christ. You cannot have a fulfilled life apart from Christ. There's nothing you can do apart from him. Some people think that a child of God cannot wander away from the faith. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And there are many people out here that have real life testimonies. I'm one of them and I know what it's like to go back to Christ and to remain in him and to stay in him so that my joy is full. God bless you. This is Dr. Manette. We're so in peace for God loves you and I love you and I pray that you have a wonderful day.